The fire of your coming, the glory of your presence, we shake the earth and every heart will know. You are Messiah, Yeshua Mashiach, Lion of Judah, the God of Israel, Defender of Zion. Shalom and welcome to Heart of Messiah Radio Broadcast. My name is Steve Weiler. And I'm the lead rabbi of Shoresh David Messianic Synagogues. Currently, we're serving in Wesley Chapel, St. Pete, South Bay near Riverview, and Tampa. We welcome all visitors as we desire to see those who are Jewish and not Jewish worshiping together in unity. We're honored to serve the listening audience of AM 570 WTBN and 910 WTWD, Tampa Bay's Faith Talk. Last week, we talked about the scriptural foundation for Israel and why Israel should be so important to Christians. This week, we look at Israel from a couple of different angles. Stay and listen as we look at Yom Ha'atzma'ut, Israel Independence, uh, Part 2, and continue to celebrate the modern history of Israel at its 70th year-old birthday. Let's begin our time together with a word of prayer. Avinu Malkeinu, our Father and our King. Lord, you are faithful, and we are so blessed that you are. You are a blessing to us. And so, Lord, we serve you. We magnify you. We offer up ourselves to you. We dedicate our lives to you. We are enjoying your presence. We are enjoying your direction. And Lord, we pray that we could make a difference in this world. Whereas people are so quick to be judgmental and negative and hurtful, I pray that we would respond with peace with joy, with love, and with just uh, the kind of love that doesn't require anything else. But we do it because we know you. So we bless you, Lord. We thank you for this great day. In the name of Yeshua, amen. Okay, well, the March of Remembrance, if you weren't there, it was an amazing blessing this past Sunday. Hopefully you'll join us next year, as it was really, I think, an especially important event. But let me give a shout-out to Pastor Joe Vancouvering, who gave an amazingly great, inspiring message about Israel. And, uh, boy, I wish I had a recording of it, but uh, it it was great. And it was great to be out there together and Uh, showing the community that we care, that we're willing to not remain silent, and and we're going to spend our time doing something about it. It it was wonderful. So normally each week I demonstrate the counting of the Omer. However, because of time, you'll have to do that uh, at home. If you'd like the counting of the Omer booklet, or if you just want us to email you... uh, a link so you can put it on your phone 
or um, your computer, then call Karen, 813-831-5673, and she'll be happy to send you or email you whatever you need. Plus, we'll have some things about Israel that you can ask her for as well. So today, we are looking, uh, well, we'll begin, how about that, with a concise history of Israel. This is important because the Palestinians say it's their land. However, if you look at the facts and you look at what uh, people, which people were there first and still exist today, then you have to say it was the Jewish people. So when we look at the history, we start at what is called BCE or BC, before Common Era or uh, which is the Jewish way of looking at it, or B.C., before Christ, is is also used. And so we see 2,000 years before Yeshua uh, lived Abraham, and 1,500 years before Yeshua, we have Moses. And 1,000 years before Yeshua, we have Jerusalem made the capital by King David. And roughly 930 years before Yeshua, the two kingdoms of Judah and Israel divided. And approximately 586 years before Yeshua, Jerusalem and the first temple were destroyed. Most of the Jews had to be exiled or were exiled to uh, Babylon. Then in 538, roughly to 515, uh, many Jews returned to Babylon and the temple was rebuilt. We see in 332 that the area was conquered by Alexander the Great and he instituted what we would call a, a Hellenistic society, a Hellenistic rule, which actually was quite liberal and wonderful um, in fact, so wonderful that Jewish people were assimilating into the culture. Um, however, it changed when the ruling changed, and uh, then in 166, it was necessary for the Maccabees to revolt and win. The temple was rededicated, and then we come to the time of Yeshua's birth, which uh, you know, people disagree with whether it was zero 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 or or a different year very close to that. But did you ever consider that our way of counting years is based on Yeshua's birth? That's an amazing thing. So before uh, before his birth, we count down from Abraham at two thousand and Moses at fifteen hundred until we get to Yeshua's birth. After his birth, we count up in years, which is why we are now in the year of, of 2018. Think of this. How do people who don't believe in the Bible or don't believe in Yeshua deal with the fact that uh, this is the case? Uh, just a side comment, at any rate. So after Yeshua's birth, I think the next thing that we see that was uh, important that happened was 70 years after his birth, uh, was the Jewish revolt, and the second temple was destroyed, and the last, uh, there was a, a stand at Masada that was very famous. Later on, we see another revolt called the Bar Kokhba Rebellion, 
where Bakachba was told was said to be the Messiah. Obviously, he wasn't. Um, we see Byzantine rule until roughly into the 600s, and Arab rule from the 636 to 1099. Now, all of this time, there were still Jews in the land, but but many of them left. We see in 691, the Dome of the Rock was built, and I just mentioned that because it was built on top of the site of the first and second temple. So uh, we we won't go there right now. We're, we're just going to do this briefly, right? Uh, from 1091 to 1291, the Crusaders, uh, the, there was Christian domination of Israel. And from 1291 to 1516, it was considered the Mamluk rule. And from 1517 for three, uh, 400 years uh, till 1917 in the First World War, there was the Ottoman rule or the Turkish rule. So you're getting this? So let's go to approximately the 1880s, the beginning of the 1880s, and that is called the first Aliyah. Now, Aliyah means to go up, and that what what we're saying here is whenever you go to Israel, it is going up. That's the how it's considered. And uh, this group uh, immigrated mainly from Russia to Israel. And, of course, it wasn't called Israel at this time, but basically that's what happened. We see in 1897 that the first Zionist Congress was convened by Theodore Herzl in Basel, Switzerland. And this was after he wrote a book, and, and uh, well, I'll tell you a little bit about that later on. But um, So Theodore Herzl, um, he was considered... Uh, the spiritual father of the Jewish state, even though, unfortunately, he never saw it because he died prior to uh, Israel becoming a nation. Now, he had a little help from a gentleman that I would assume almost all of my listening audience has never heard about. His name is William Hechler. And he was an Anglican clergyman. He was a friend, a mentor, and many say he was the legitimizer of Herzl's vision and calling. And in fact, he is considered the father of Christian Zionism. Anybody know that? Again, we'll talk a little bit about him later on. In 1909, just to show you that there was a strong Jewish presence in the area of Israel, the first kibbutz, Deganya, and the first modern all-Jewish city, Tel Aviv, was beginning in 1909. So we can see the Jewish influence in this area, right? In the 20th century, we see that the British... Uh, took control after the World War I, 1917, and their British foreign minister, Balfour, pledged support for the establishment of a Jewish national home, which would be in what was then called Palestine. 
and uh, he and this was called the Balfour Declaration. Now uh, there was a tremendous amount of Arab backlash to this. And in 1922, Britain granted mandate for Palestine by the League of Nations and said that they would set up three quarters of the land and call it Transjordan, leaving about a quarter of the land for Israel. But the nations were not formed yet. This is just how they foresaw it. So, in 1925, as an example, Hebrew University opened up in Jerusalem. Again, you understand, uh, since they didn't become a nation until 48, this is way before. In 1929, there was Jewish immigration, uh, but it then became severely limited by something called the British White Paper. And many of the People who immigrated to Israel, especially during World War II, did it illegally and uh, based on the British white paper and, and, and their laws. So we know that from 39 to 45 was World War II and the Holocaust. In 1947, UN proposes the establishment of two states in Palestine. Now, remember when I told you that um, Transjordan would be set up with three quarters of the land and Israel would get a quarter? Well, figure a half of the quarter that they were supposed to get. And that's how much they were going to get in this UN proposal, even less land. But the Jews said, okay, we'll do it. And the Arabs refused it. Now, why did they refuse it? Because the only place they wanted the Israelis or the Jews uh, would be in the Mediterranean drowning. They didn't want them to have any land. But in 1948, the state of Israel was proclaimed on May 14th by the United Nations. And on May 15th, one day later, Five Arab states invaded Israel, and the War of Independence went for about a year. Now, it's very important that you understand that most Arabs who left Israel did so under the orders of the Arab leader. He was called the Grand Mufti, and he was a former ally of Hitler, and um because what they wanted to do is they wanted the the Arab people to withdraw and let the Arab armies drive the Jews into the sea, which obviously they attempted to do. But as you know, it didn't quite work out that way. Uh, Israel won. And not all the Arabs left. Many stayed becoming Israeli Arab citizens. And Israel now has, believe it or not, Israel has about 20% of its, its population it has as Arab. Now, that's about 1.5 million who are citizens in Israel. And that's really important to know because 
um, they are citizens, not just uh, oppressed. They're not oppressed. They have voting privileges. There are Arab judges and owners of business and owners of land. And there are even Arabs in the Knesset, which is the Israeli Congress. So we see this. And, and let me just say, there is overwhelming evidence to prove that Jewish, Jewish authorities went to amazing lengths to convince Arabs to stay in Israel, but they didn't for the most part. And during the fighting in April 1948, the Haganah, which was one of the military uh, groups of Israel, they stipulated that Arabs were expected to carry on their work as equal and free citizens of Haifa. On April 29th, even Farid Siad, he was the Arab National Committee, was saying that Jewish leaders had organized a large campaign to persuade the Arabs to return. Israel's proclamation of independence in 1948 invited the Palestinians to remain in their homes and become equal citizens in the new state. Here's a quote from this time period. It's, they said, in the midst of wanton aggression, we yet call upon the Arab inhabitants of the state of Israel to preserve the ways of peace and play their part in the development of the state on the basis of full and equal citizenship and due representation in all its bodies and institutions. We extend our hand in peace and neighborliness, uh, I'm sorry, neighborliness to all the neighboring states with their peoples and invite them to cooperate with the independent Jewish nation for the common good of all. Now, does that sound like oppression? No, because what the heart of the people were to live in peace in the Middle East, both with Arabs in Israel and Arabs around Israel. However, it didn't quite work out that way. In 1967, there was the Six-Day War. Jerusalem fully in, uh, got control. Um, I'm sorry, the, the uh, Jerusalem became fully controlled by the Jewish people. And that was in 1967. This is such a key date for us, as you know, because the prophecy in Romans 11.25 and Luke 21.24 talking about the blinders coming off the Jewish people, um, referring to seeing Yeshua as Messiah. And right around that time, there were so many Jewish people coming to know the Lord and not knowing if there was another Jewish person in the world who believed the way they did. That's what happened to me. And three years later, the start of the Messianic Jewish movement. So we see God was just pinpointing a time in history through his prophecy, and it just should encourage you so much. Okay, continuing our calendar in 1968, 
um, the Palestinian National Charter was written. Now, prior to that, there was not a Palestinian so-called people with a Palestinian area or a Palestinian uh, state. The begin- this was the beginning of the idea of a Palestine nation for the Arabs. And look, uh, they were used by the Arab countries around as pawns because the Arab countries wanted publicity that the world would come against Israel and the West. So the Arab countries wouldn't bring them into their countries, these people. So they lived in horrible conditions on the borders and blamed Israel. So Israel got the blame, yet they wouldn't let them into their own country as Arabs, right? And all the the time, whenever somebody wanted to come into Israel, the Israelis were gracious and said, come in and we will make a great country together. Well, in 1973, there was the Yom Kippur War. In 1982, there was the Land for Peace. Israel withdrew from the Sinai Desert completely, and uh, that, that's, uh, that was terrible because they had oil there, which they don't have in Israel, and, and they had a hospital that they had built, and and they had an airfield for planes and so on. And, and they did land for peace. And that obviously didn't work too well. And in 2005, land for peace again with Gaza. And that didn't learn to uh, work too well. In 2006, there was a war with Lebanon, uh, a military conflict uh, from northern Israel. So that gives you a little update. Look, many, many other things happened in Israel, but to make this a one-show discussion about Israel, um, you know, certainly. But I want to give you a teaser for next week because we're really out of time. I want you to listen to a scripture from Deuteronomy 32, verse 21. And I want you to understand that this is going to be the foundation of what we're talking about next week because we're going to talk about the faithfulness of God. Listen to this scripture. They made me jealous with a non-God. They vexed me with airy idols. So I will make them jealous with a non-people. With a foolish nation, I will vex them. Okay, so now this is God speaking. Oh, I can't explain it. I don't have time today. You've got to come back next week. We're out of time. But if you'd like to get a list of scriptures that I use concerning Israel or get an article that I haven't even told you about yet, uh, Herzl and Hechler, or get a fascinating article on the top 44 inventions of the Israelis to date, just call Karen at 813-831-5673. She'll email it to you. They're all free. Look, we'd love to get donations, but uh, these are free for you. We just want you to get the information. But we would love to get donations because that's what financially supports this program. We could really use it. So either email me at rabbi at heartofmessiah.org or call Karen at 813-831-5673. Oh, may the Lord be your first priority.
And may you grow up in your desire to have a heart like the heart of Messiah. Would you join me as we close in prayer? Abba, Father, teach us your ways so that our hearts would be hearts of flesh and not of stone. May our words and actions always reflect the heart of Messiah so that everyone who meets us will know that Yeshua is our Messiah and King. You are Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, Lion of Judah, the God of Israel.